Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. What's up lads and ladies, I'm BR and I hate feds, and it is Wednesday the 24th of February 2021. First off I want to talk a little bit about the Arizona Second Amendment rally, because that's been and gone now, but later on I want to get into something a little bit different, something I was planning on getting into with this show. I want to just check out from the usual chaos happening here in the uh, good old US of A, and get into some international affairs, which... I think we're, we're shielded from, because we can learn a lot from seeing what's going on in the rest of the world. Usually it's an advanced form of statism to what we have happening here, and they're trying to stop us from um, recognizing the pen. So yeah, we'll have a look at what's going on in the rest of the world. But first off, let's be a little bit selfish and talk about ourselves. So, obviously last week we had the, or last Friday, we had the Second Amendment rally in Arizona. And it was a bit more chill this year. It was a bit quieter. I think there was a lot of a lot of energy coming off the Virginia rally, and we felt it here in Arizona too. And it was like tense. There was a lot of people, a lot of will to be out and present. This year, I don't know if like a lot of the boomers died, <laughs> although there was a ton there. If there was just less, if it was less on everyone's radar than it was after you know the big show out at Virginia last year. I don't know. It was, it was cool. I got to hang out with my friends, got to meet some of you guys, and got to make fun of uh, fun of the boomers, which, you know, we can never... We can't let these opportunities go by because all of the boomers are going to be dead in about 10 to 15 more years. And, um, you know, the world might actually be a decent place. Anywho, um, so some highlights from the rally. Um, I didn't remember to flip off the Overwatch cops. I was having, I was having a blast, like you know, chatting with our, our little group, and uh, it just never, never occurred to me to, you know, trade some hand signals. So, that was a missed opportunity. Um, oh, this one of the speakers was going on. Um, I'm gonna piss a lot of you off, but it's not the time to wear gear. And carry rifles at the Capitol. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but some whiny bitch. Um, one of the, you know, pantsuits wearing Second Amendment ladies. Um, was going on with that kind of message. And it's like, now's not the time? Are you fucking serious? Christ. What? You want me to donate to your, uh, your organization, I bet? So you can travel around giving speeches and, I don't know, organizing shit? Yeah, pretty cushy job. I'd want to be a, what do you call it, an activist too. <laughs> uh, what a what a good fucking deal that would be. But I'm not about that kind of shit. 
it's it's always a scam to me. If you if you can make a living doing your activism, I mean, good for you. But I feel more often than not, it's I don't know, a bit dishonest. Usually, there's some kind of bullshit. Like a lot of people are, you know, they run a business and then also run like a, you know, uh, a charity that can support itself or whatever. But um. If you just do cherry work, I don't know, kind of suspicious to me. I'm, I, I don't really trust that sort of too much. Um, more often than not. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the organizers are kind of fuds, but it's more about what the day creates. And it was a good opportunity to get out um, myself and uh, Spirit Resistance. A few others I saw um, were able to get some interviews done, uh, you know, talk to various different groups. Someone came up to us and asked, uh, <laughs> asked if we wanted to learn about 3D printing, uh, firearms, and I was like, I was like, you know, I mean, fuck yeah, but I've interviewed half the, half the major players. <laughs> Been fortunate enough to have that direct access with, um, the 3D printing firearms community and all that. So, uh, yeah, it was really cool to see, though. He was handing out, uh, USB drives with, um, all the files on, he just had, like, a little goodie bag, it was, like, tactical trick-or-treat, um, him handing out, you know, gun files, and, uh, me and others handing out stickers, uh, it was, it was a good time. What else went on? Oh, yeah, they, they had, um, they had some Vietnam vets up, and it was the weirdest fucking thing, because... I, I just expect Vietnam vets to always talk shit about the war. I, that's just what I expect now. I'm like, oh yeah, they're pretty fucking woke. And this guy starts going on at a Second Amendment rally about the righteous um, fight against communism in Vietnam. I'm like, ah, that's not what you were doing, dude. Come on, let's be fucking real. Plus, you guys lost. Like, really fucking badly. Um, I don't know. He just looked like the whitest Black Panther I've ever seen. He was had the little beret and <laughs> the full black outfit going on about um, the righteous war against communism in Vietnam. My God. It's like, dude, did you just just fucking deep throw that propaganda or, or what? Who's paying you? <laughs> I don't know. Bless his heart, he, he thinks he, he did his job in good old Vietnam. Um, I'm sure the napammed villages will uh, thank him for his service. <laughs> oh yeah, I uh, got to meet the ATF convenience store guy. Um, anyone who's passing through Kingman, Arizona needs to stop on by. I mean... We all want alcohol, tobacco, and firearms to just be a convenience store, but lo and behold, it already is. Um, really fucking cool dude that runs it. Uh, when it had Mexican with him and a few others after the rally, what a fucking win that was. Uh, <laughs> after standing around in the sun in a plate carrier and enough clothing to cover my skin, I was like, yeah, fucking burrito is the move. One of the, Probably one of the top five reasons I moved to the Southwest is Mexican food. Um... You don't get it's a it's a really important rule of mine that you don't get good Mexican um, on the other side of the Atlantic. It just 
nah, you'll always be disappointed. Mexican in Europe is fucking pointless. Um, <laughs> a little little pearl of wisdom for you. No matter how good you think a place over there is, it's it's fucking nothing compared to a hole in the wall where where the menu is bilingual. That's like an absolute must. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So he uh, <laughs> he was a laugh to talk to. Um, real cool dude got a fucking uh, red flag. It's a black flag patch from him, alluding to the fact that we're all gonna get murdered in our homes. Very fucking sly reference. I I dig it. Oh yeah, there was some <laughs> there was some LP guy, Libertarian Party guy, there trying to get votes and like every time he he'd either be talking to boomer Republicans who were like hoping for a uh, a mega win, or he was talking to outright anarchists. The poor guy couldn't win. He was either getting stonewalled by, you know, uh, Trump, for Trump 2024, kind of that crowd. He's uh, he's our real president, and he's just fucking not winning there. And then he'd come over to us, and it's like, yeah, we don't vote. <laughs> like, um, good luck, though, dude. Seemed like a, a nice enough guy, but he, I don't know, kind of had a... Like, <laughs> used car salesman vibes. It was a bit sad. That's how all politicians feel to me, though, at the minute. Well, I, I think kind of from here on out. From here on out, politicians just kind of strike me as whores in suits. I really don't think you're, uh, I don't know. You have the best intentions. Even, no matter how fucking pure you are, oh, I'm libertarian by... The guy even goes, actually, I'm an anarchist too. I was like, okay, you're an anarchist running for office. Mmm, that doesn't exist, bud. That's not a real thing. A little bit of a contradiction there when you're playing the systems game but calling yourself an anarchist. I mean, I know a lot of people think it's cute to do that. They're like, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not really... Uh, you know, a libertarian, I'm something much worse. It's like, yeah, a politician. <laughs> People just don't choose consistency. It's, it's strange. Well, I say it's strange. It's really fucking common, actually. I don't know. Second Amendment rallies make for really good people watching because it attracts a certain kind of person. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we want to be out there to be seen and to spread our message, but a lot of people, it's just kind of a... You know, getting your kicks, you, you're strolling around in public with a gun, and kind of talk, you know, it's like a, it's a very showy event, everyone's there to push their agenda, I guess, even if it's a very individual one. Um, and you have a lot of people who uh, clearly crawled out of their mum's basement. Um, you know, power to them, they got, they got out of there, they actually went and did something. Um... And I'm, I'm not speaking about our crowd. Our crowd actually looked pretty good this year. Um, not that we didn't last year, but, you know, it was like a, it was a pretty good group. But one kid that <laughs> caught our group's eye, um, I don't think he's... I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't, like, part of the community or anything. He's just, like, this kid there on his own, like, I don't know, like, 18 or maybe 20. I don't know. He, he didn't look that old. And he had this... 
bless him in a way. He had this like really one of those cheapo tactical vests, and he had like this uh, like serpa holster on his shoulder that he had a Glock in that was just p pointed at everyone's face uh, off to the side. Um, and then he had this slam fire shotgun, this DIY shotgun. I thought it was a Nerf gun when I first saw it, but um, sure enough, you know, it came up. He had this barrel that he pulled out, and you screw it in, and it's yeah. I mean, <laughs> power to him. Um, you know, I was saying it'd be cool to see people with some three D printed guns at rallies, but DIY firearms. I mean, that's you know got that PA Luti energy. <laughs> I built this in my garage from pipes and, you know, welded a few things together. Um, yeah, fucking, fucking cool. <laughs> kind of concerns the shit out of everyone. He's just, he's just there on his own. I hope he makes good choices. He, uh, yeah. Pe kids like that struggle to make friends, I should know. I was reading gun encyclopedias when I was a few years younger than him. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, not, not to be a condescending prick. It was just funny. Because he, he looked like someone who might be into our community. But then without the obvious um, shaming that our community puts on, you know, certain stereotypes. Because he fulfilled a lot of them. I don't know. It was very, very interesting character. Um, I just hope he doesn't get himself in trouble. But, uh, I mean, he has the right idea. DIY at a, at a Second Amendment rally, I mean, it's making a good point, you know. He might not have, he, he might just not have had enough money for, like, an actual rifle or something and just DIY'd it, but, I don't know, fuck it. Ingenuity, you gotta credit him. Anywho, uh, last little summary for the rally. I was really pleased with with the the core group that turned out the the core AZ group that I kind of see I've actually seen out in the desert. Uh, one of the guys wearing my my mask. I think last maybe last fall I saw him, but yeah, I managed to catch up with that guy and his group. Yeah, I I think it was probably the most uh, kitted out group at the rally. Easily, actually. I mean, Jesus, the boomers out there with their, their Velcro holsters and stuff. Uncle Mike's uh, cross draw. I shit you not. Probably had a Ruger in it. Um, that guy's fucking dead already carrying like that. Open carry, too. And then it was really funny because well, what I'm really fucking proud of, in fact, is that you look at any of these guys wearing MAGA hats, they don't even have a sling. They carry in their, like, you know... <laughs> M&P 15, um, in their hands all day, uh, got their mega hat on, a t-shirt, you know, just generally look like shit, look like your typical, you know, redneck gun owner, what people want to stereotype us as, and then you have these kid up guys who look pretty fucking professional, good looking gear, good looking rifles, all very, very knowledgeable if you, if you grab basically anyone in that group, you could out grab them and have an interview. And, um, so yeah, you have guys coming up, hey, you wanna join the Patriot Party and stuff? And it's like, uh, no thanks, I don't vote. And then conversations start. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool that the most kid-up group of the rally had, had, had almost certainly the most radical politics. And, um, a very different message from what people would assume 
that Rowley's message was just from uh, just from hearing it. And I don't know, it's I think it's good for optics when you have guys with you know the fucking Gucciest <laughs> best put together kit on the block because you know you have your your threepers and stuff and they rock body armor, but you had these stools at the event selling steel armor and you know all of them are rocking that you know good enough kind of gear they all have the coyote tan vest and the threeper patch and like i don't know just fucking outdated gear they just look silly you know the guys who wear fucking who are still buying up digicam acus <laughs> um but yeah so I, I was really fucking proud of our group and big thanks to everyone who turned out to to make us look good because i i think we did um bit more of a low-key rally this year i think the fucking police snipers even left early that's how how little faith they had in us um oh shit one last thing before i get off the second amendment rally and i promise i will um (laughs) arizona senator wendy rogers um decided that she wanted a photo op from the second amendment rally (laughs) and she got a few of some boomers and then I guess she must have saw our group from her office window. And so it was myself, Spirit of Resistance, uh, Luke from Biting the Bullet, um, the Biting the Bullet podcast, Miss Buckles and a few others, like followers and such and friends, all gathered uh, in front of the Arizona Capitol building. And so <laughs> Senator Wendy Rogers sees us and comes down and she wants to thank us all for coming out and supporting the Second Amendment, blah, blah, blah. Want, wants to get a, a picture of us for her Facebook. Says we're going to be famous. <laughs> and um, she doesn't fucking look at us at all. I've got a Circle A patch on my back. I'm, I've got a drum mag in my rifle with uh, little, little Calvin pissing on the thin blue line. Pretty visibly. And we're all rocking some kind of, you know, anarchist hardcore libertarian iconography she doesn't question anything she's like let's get a photo (laughs) and so she takes it and we're all like we're just fucking grinning i was laughing and in in the picture i'm pointing at the sticker on my magazine um and so i'm going off in the woods immediately after this rally ends for to camp so i have no idea how this thing is going to go and sure enough it's it's still up on her Facebook page. She just posted it. <laughs> Didn't check it or anything. Yeah. Kind of a fucking giggle. I, but annoyingly, I was kind of hoping the picture would be clear enough that it was, like, very clear. My sticker. It's, like, a it's like a little bit blurry. You can see what it is. But I thought it was going to be this big, like, fucking, oh, shit, I got to delete the, the post kind of moment. But it wasn't quite. But it's very satisfying knowing that a Republican senator decided to... Um, take pictures with anarchists who were all laughing at her. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed doing those, hoping for more opportunities to do in-person stuff in the in the future, when it makes sense to, you know, I'm not going to be going crazy, um, you know, me and all the, me and all my fed friends, but, I don't know, something a little bit more. Anyway, on to the main course. So, I wanted to talk about um, international events, which we just never discuss in this country, because it's a big country, a lot of stuff happens here, and also we don't want to see what's happening elsewhere, because it might give us ideas. That's at least the kind of feeling I get from the way the news operates here, 
it's very insulated. I don't know if that's just down to Americans' taste, or if it's perhaps to not show you, you know, not give you ideas. Like, oh, look, um, these guys are... I mean, the Yellow Vest protests, Americans had no idea that was happening in France. Uh, Hong Kong, no one had really any, any idea, apart from when it started to leak over into sports. That was, like, the only time it was really a mainstream media thing. We just don't hear about revolution and uprising uh, unless it's our enemies being overthrown, you know, quote-unquote enemies. You know, like, we, we hear about we hear about Gaddafi and stuff because he was the enemy. And, um... I don't know. They're, they're probably regretting that now because the way things are going, I think I think Cuomo's going to get the Gaddafi treatment bayonet up the arse and all. <laughs> um... But, yeah, I wanted to talk about international politics because I feel like it just doesn't happen in this country, that it's, like, a major focus for the masses. Um, unless you have to, like, really seek it out. And I think we can learn a lot from looking elsewhere because I feel a lot of authoritarianism is kind of, you know, five to twenty years ahead, depending on where you look at. Um, I mean, take Hong Kong, for example. We were all paying a lot of attention to that last summer, and all of a sudden, the election came up, and, you know, the pandemic, and we just don't give a shit anymore. Christ, it wasn't even the, the summer, that was, it was a while ago now, but, <laughs> um, so, so recently, uh, you wouldn't have heard about this on the news, but Beijing has essentially taken Hong Kong at this point, they plan an overhaul of Hong Kong's elections. So, all that pro-democracy, I mean, not that, not that democracy does us very much good, but compared to authoritarian, authoritarian communism, um, I guess it's a little bit better. But the pro-democracy candidates have just been fucking crushed at this point by their, their new policy they're planning to impose on Hong Kong, and Essentially, you have to be loyal to the party before you can run for office. It's like, okay, you're part of the hive mind, now you can be one of our drones. It's not... I don't get how politics even function in a society like that. It's like, do you conform to the blind ruling this this mass decides? Yes. Okay, go and lead our people. As basically a single-minded drone. I don't know, man. I'm... (laughs) Authoritarian communism is very hard to understand when you're a a hardcore individualist that enjoys part and thinking. So anyway, pro-democracy sentiment is so popular there, of course, that they were willing to, you know, fight government forces and be injured, killed, or worse, drug off back to mainland China and put in camps. Um, <laughs> pro-democracy sentiment was so popular that that was the situation over there. Uh, this community remembers, you know, sending money that way, sending gas masks, and trying to assist in as, as much as we could, you know, propaganda and otherwise. Um, but, yeah, now they're essentially disqualifying... 
uh, pro-democracy candidates from even attempting to get elected. So, uh, they're going to be investigating candidates and make sure they're loyal to Beijing and the, the People's Communist Party, the, the Chinese Communist Party, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, run by Winnie the Pooh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I don't know how they're going to respond. I mean, that's kind of what their immediate future is. It's going to be, you have one party to choose from. And then, I mean, we all know how that ends. People don't like being subjugated, especially when they've had that little taste of freedom. It's not quite North Korea, you know. These people were in probably the most capitalistic part. Yeah, I guess, I hate to even say free market, but free market-ish. Well, no, Hong Kong had a pretty good rating on the Freedom Index, if memory serves. Anyway. Uh, you know, they, they were pretty fucking autonomous uh, for a place in that part of Asia. And to to face being ruled by <laughs> by China, by Beijing. Oof. Yeah, that's gonna turn. That's gonna turn messy. People were already willing to get their eyes fucking destroyed by tear gas shooting police and you know, being beaten up and dragged back to mainland China being disappeared um, just to have a voice so you best bet if they're like no you lost it's gonna start you're gonna start seeing a lot more Molotovs um, and hopefully you're gonna start seeing some 3d printed firearms out there because uh, you can't just roll over and let yourself be fucking wiped out because that's what they'll try and do they will absolutely shut down media and they will start disappearing any distance, any any public ones at least. So they're gonna have to get real fucking clever about how they operate. But um, yeah, it's not like anyone's gonna be fucking helping them because <laughs> you know, good old Biden administration. Not that I'd, I'd say the way to solve one state is for another to wade into wade into that. But even just the popular message of the government being that oh we have. Um, cultural differences, so it's completely cool. They have fucking death camps and they're subjugating people to a lifestyle they don't want. I mean, we can't oppose that because <laughs> guess what's happening at home? You're gonna live our way or the hard way. Is that what they call the American dream? I don't know. I keep on forgetting. So you want to hear some creepy communist language? Let me read how this stuff works. So... The Hong Kong government said it would, it would introduce a bill requiring district councillors to take loyalty oaths and would ban candidates from standing for office for five years if they were deemed insincere or insuffici insufficiently patriotic. Oh, Christ. You cannot say I'm patriotic, but I don't respect the fact that it is the Chinese Communist Party which leads the country. Eric Tsang, Hong Kong New... Hong, Hong Kong Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs said at a news conference. I mean, people really need to wrap their heads around what democracy is. People seem to think it's this flowery, like, peaceful way of being. And it's just simply not. It's fighting over the gun in the room. And if you let the biggest guy in the room get the gun... <laughs> you're gonna make it a lot harder for yourself, the biggest, most ruthless guy in the room to get the gun, I should say. 
your democracy is going to go down the shitter so fucking fast. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, they're like, okay, well, this is nice. We're in charge now. We're going to build this thing so fucking big. You can never hope to fucking break it down. Not in one lifetime. The saddest part of this whole thing is, it sounds like the more senior members of this pro-democracy movement have absolutely rolled over and shown their belly. Uh, so, this one guy's talking about how he's he's going to take the oath and the loyalty oath to, to China. And he doesn't know if that means loyalty to the party and he'll just have to hope that that's good enough for them. And then he goes on and says... Um, so, Beijing's already chucking in all these new security lockdowns. Basically, they're going to start disappearing the fuck out of people, but it's, you know, dressed up as security laws. Um, and so this guy says, I don't think you'll find these things very often, he said, of the direct action on electoral reform and the national security law. It's just in connection with these two major and important matters, Mr. Chow said. I still believe that, going forward, we still have a role to play. And that's where the article ends. Uh, article from the New York Times. Can you... Can you imagine... Living under the Chinese government? In a, in a way, you know, as a satellite. Being that close in proximity and watching what it does. And watching what it did over a year of protests. And how it treated your people. And being like, no, I think... I think they'll respect us. It just makes me fucking sad. Like, these people... They might not have the capacity to think of existence without a government. I, I mean... They just... That's just how things are. And it's so impossible. So impossibly far away to... To not live under that boot that it's just not even... In their realm of... Concept. But I, I mean, I guess, I guess that's true for a lot of statists even in the Western world. But, I mean, fuck, man. What a rough life. Those guys are about to really fucking see a, a diminish in the quality of life. Unless, uh, I mean, you know, that that's just one of the older guys, someone who's probably, you know, a local Bernie Sanders <laughs> um, running for office and thinks he can change it from within, you know, join the system to defeat the system. Um, I'm sure they have a lot more, well, I hope, they have a lot more younger radicals who are going to continue to, you know, resist in whatever way they can, whatever shape that takes. Um, I mean, if they start disappearing people, I'm not sure how many more peaceful options they're going to have. Um, I think it's going to come down to protecting your fucking survival, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, crazy shit. A, a, a look into a bleak dystopian future. Um, and that's, you know, to fucking hit on the main message of my whole existence in, in these circles. A disarmed populace are subjects, not citizens. Absolutely never let that happen to you. Non-compliance, 3D printing, disobedience, dissidence. <laughs> oh, good shit. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the signal can't be stopped. I I really do have faith that no no confiscation, no efforts would ever succeed here. But it is important to watch how other societies handle them.
Uh, which leads me to the second thing I want to talk about today, which is Canada is starting to close in on gun control. Justin Trudeau wants to push ahead on a assault weapons ban, um, and I, I believe it's a voluntary buyback uh, in typical Trudeau fashion. It's absolutely sackless, <laughs> which, you know, it's, it's good. It's overall good that it's not as tyr tyrannical as it could be, but it's just funny how much of a fucking, <laughs> how much of a fucking pussy he is, even about his tyranny, like, it's, it's a massive, um, you know, breach of rights to be going after guns, but a voluntary buyback, it's like such, but, but then he's also doing red flag laws, so the government might send death squad to your house if your friends call you crazy because you got back from a war they made you, or they, they paid you to fight in, and you came back fucked up, so you have a gun, your neighbors are afraid of you, now the government death squad can come and fucking kill you. He's doing those, so, you know, another, another blackface politician who wants to kick in your door and murder you. Is there a passion that we, that we can see here? So, they're banning assault-style weapons, quote-unquote, and the solution is a voluntary buyback, which, <laughs> in New Zealand, had a compliance rate for the same thing, assault weapons after the mosque shooting, um, 13 to 17% compliance on military-style semi-automatics, which is the same thing they're going after in Canada. So, that wasn't very many guns. It's going to be this weird outlaw culture now. Just like, I think it's probably going to end up here. We're probably going to be doing the same fucking thing. So, pay attention to Canada. Because they're doing pretty similar shit. Where you're just going to be a fucking criminal if you have an AR. And it's going to be this, like, underground culture. Just like, you know, drugs has been <laughs> in the States since the, since the drug war started. Um, except they're going to paint it as this fucking sinister white supremacist thing instead of this dirty communist hippie thing. You see, you see how that works? They're just fucking parallels. When you make a prohibition, there's just this demonization, and it's all fucking misplaced. I mean, I think it's just a thing culture's gonna have to go through. And we need that, honestly, that culture of non-compliance, dissidence, and... <laughs> illegalism, I guess. Um, a lot of Americans really need to wake up to, you know, not every law is moral or comes from an authority that you should respect. And conservatives, I guess, are going to have to learn to be consistent or lose the teeth from their argument that backs up everything, you know. God, guns, and country, but <laughs> what if you just got God and country? You're kind of just, uh, you're back to being a subject again, aren't you, buddy? Kind of lost the sack from your argument. And so, I don't know, it's going to come down to a point where it's like, the law's the law, or non-compliance is patriotism. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. And Canada doesn't really have that culture, because they have firearms licenses, so they they have gun registration. It's just, I think it's very similar to how it is in England the system I grew up with. Um, so they have their addresses, they probably know, I don't know exactly what their firearm law, firearm certificate looks like compared to Britain, but I imagine if it's similar, it'll say 
what guns they have, what calibers, how many they have, and where they're stored at. So, <laughs> non-compliance in Canada is going to be... Um, I don't know, I guess they're going to have to fake the destruction of their firearms, because finding the resources to knock on the door of every single gun owner in Canada, I... I don't know, maybe they can do it, but it's going to be fucking expensive and take a while. So they might just ask for, like, pictures of destroyed guns, and you're going to get people, you know, getting their hands on airsoft uh, guns and sawing them in half or whatever. I think that's a fucking good move. Um, or you're going to have guys switching to 3D printed stuff and having it, you know, they're going to turn in their shit, maybe keep a few parts, and build the rest with a 3D printer. I don't know. I think now's the time for them to amass parts that are hard to build or hard to print and embrace that DIY culture. It's kind of a tough situation because they, if, if you weren't wise about how you acquired firearms in Canada, they know fucking everything about you. They know that you're likely to have firearms and might be hiding stuff if they don't get everything that was on your ticket. Yeah, it's a really fucking awful thing to, to happen to you. <laughs> um, and there's a lot, you know, like I said, there's a lot to learn from that. A lot to learn from England and Hong Kong. It's all canary in the mine because it's it's coming here. People are going to try this, this shit here and we're going to be going through the same issues. And if we just don't learn from history, we don't learn from what's happening outside of our borders, um, we'll suffer the same fate. We have a chance to learn and adapt before it happens. Anyway, that's enough talk about communist countries for one day. Let's get to a few questions and wrap this one up. Alright, first question. How do I explain to my fiancé that I could be Duncan Lemped because of non-compliance? Whew. Right off the fucking bat with the heat. Um, fuck. How do I explain to my fiancé that I could be Duncan Lemped? Um, yeah, it's kind of a difficult conversation to have with your loved one to be like, yeah, we might get raided because I say some spicy things online and, uh, the property that I currently have is being made illegal. Um, I mean, I mean, it, it really depends on where you're at with your, your spouse. If you guys are on a level politically, then it's going to be fairly easy to be like, yeah, you know, those tyrannical monsters might someday invade our home because I own something. But if you if you're kinda of like the tinfoil hat lunatic to your loved one, um, it might be a bit more of an uphill battle. I mean really if you've talked about police brutality and you know, no knock raids and such at all, um, in the home with your loved one, it's gotta be kind of an understanding it's gotta be out there on the table. You can't just be like it's not a possibility. And before you talk to your spouse, I might kind of, you know, reel in the, the paranoid brain that we all, we all share in this community for a second and consider how likely is it that it could happen to you. Like, do you, you know, talk with spicy individuals in, in group chats? Do you follow all the wrong pages in their eyes? Do you participate in local gatherings? Is there anything that you could do to genuinely put yourself on a watch list before we go down the rabbit hole you know are you someone who's helping to create things in the community like duncan lemp was people who help organize things people who 
talk to individuals who perform activism in various ways that might get them attention. All these kind of things, like, is there genuinely a threat to you um, from a no-knock raid? And if you establish that, that might be. Uh, take it upon yourself to maybe, how can we defend against that the best we can? Um, from simple things like maybe, and it, it sounds really fucked up, but genuinely making sure your baby's crib is not under a ground floor window or a, a front facing window. Anywhere where a flash might be chucked through a window, flashbang in a baby crib, it, it kills babies. Uh, it's not just a joke. Or, um, you know, if, if your kids' rooms are by the front door, anything like that, anything that you can change to, I don't know, maybe maybe move your kids around to a different room that's not liable to be the first to be broken into, or, you know, your bedroom, um, just if you can do any kind of security measures as simple or as complicated as, as need be to make your family as safe as possible if if the worst day of your life was to happen you know if you genuinely think it's a realistic threat and once you've done all you can you know without looking like too much of a lunatic i would bring it up your, your spouse um that you think it's it's a possible concern and you want to be you want to approach it you know very adult very rational and level-headed like i think people like me are targeted it's happened before i want to make sure that whatever happens we will be as safe as possible if the worst is to happen and hopefully they'll be on enough of a level with understanding how the world works and you know whatever you, whatever it is that you do that um you know these are things we should be pre prepared for as ugly as they might be obviously we should do our best to mitigate uh being targeted by these to start with, you know, good OPSEC, um, being very mindful about what we do and the risk and reward for what we partake in. Bring it up, be open about it if you do think it's a real risk, and try and minimize how bad it could be if such a thing were to happen, and have a plan ready, whatever your response is going to be. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to go into it, but if you, however you plan to respond to Home intruders. Badge or not. What are the best ways to start training for things like survival and self-reliance? Um, the very best way is to, I mean, if you have zero experience at all, just going from walking in the city park and not much else to any occasional hike, um, I'd start camping as, as much as you can. It sounds stupid, but if you can find the time to go out and camp for multiple days at a time and kind of lessen and lessen your gear, the amount of gear that you take with you each time. Not to, you know, like, ha have a basic packing list, and you can find them anywhere, kind of like a basic camping packing list. And then gradually, it doesn't have to be that gradual, you could just, if you're, if you're just wanting to fucking learn, go out with the bare minimum sensible kit, uh, you're not going to fucking freeze to death with, but research the kind of basic kit and whittle it down, uh, figure out what you need, what is effective for your local environment that you'd be surviving in, whether it's desert and hydration is your biggest concern, or if it's more shelter and warmth if you're somewhere colder, 
uh, whatever it might be. Um, if you're going to be covering long distance, if you're going to be doing more kind of mountaineering and um, big long hikes and you need to be very mobile or or if you're just um, self-sustaining in a you know a semi-fixed location um, figure out what you're going to be doing and your application and then kind of just excel at it just put yourself out into that terrain you know uh, public land national parks whatever it might be um, get out private land is even nicer you know then you can do the full kit um, public public land's good for that too if you find somewhere really wildernessy and just just get out there to where no one's gonna be bothering you um, and yeah you know you just slowly go from casual camping to what do I need to survive what could I what's the minimum weight I can move with um, what needs to be upgraded what works for me all those things and yeah it's the best way to learn anything is to get out there and do it um, you know read a little bit about it read about gear read about just basics of maneuvering and how to not waste daylight you know really basic things like that what do you think about the United States current debt Oof. oh I mean the US debt it went from being like wow this is a really major issue to being wow this is just nothing more than a joke at this point it went from being like a like a you know a serious concerning thing to being just fucking oh my it's it's a joke it's nothing more than a joke it's this magical fairy tale number that doesn't exist i think it's I forgot, I don't know if it's going to be by the end of the year or by the end of Biden's term, like first term. But I think I think it's by the end of the year. It's going to be thirty-five trillion the U.S. debt. Um, yeah, it's just fucking made-up nonsense at this point. The U.S. dollar is so fucked. That's why I keep on saying to people, you know, get into Bitcoin, get into other things, invest in things outside of the dollar, because having a Having a healthy bank account isn't going to mean much very soon. Invest in property, get yourself set up to be self-sustaining, because I think I think it's going to get pretty nasty if gas starts to really fucking go up, and, you know, buying power just goes in the shitter. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of the, a lot of the scrambling, like at the start of the, the pandemic with all the panic buying, but a lot worse, a lot of scarcity, a lot of... No purchasing power. I'm sure Anglo could paint a much more dystopian and uh, bang on the money picture for you, but it's it's not going to be nice. I'll uh, I'll give you the the layman's version. So um yeah the the current debt I think it's going to create very real repercussions pretty soon. I think I think next few years we're going to really see how fucked the U.S. dollar is and how how many people just underestimated um, how impactful the failing of the US dollar is going to be. So, yeah, no, not really uh, sunshine, rainbows, and puppies on that front. It's, um, I mean, we're, we're getting into the final years of an empire here, kids, I'll, I'll keep on saying it. Shit is going to get really weird and a little bit Mad Maxi. 
Oh Christ, this next question. Is there any situation at this point where you would call the police? Um, uh, certainly, no, no. I was trying, I was thinking like maybe like a, like if a child was missing and, oh Christ, I don't, I don't even trust him not to fuck that up. Honestly, I would, I would go community before anything. Um, their resources are just not worth it. I don't trust them. They're so disgustingly corrupt and violent. Yeah, no, I would. I wouldn't even trust them to help in a missing persons case. I would rather go through community avenues, and, and certainly not any kind of like. Oh, well, they're breaking into my house. Like, fuck that. I'm calling non-emergency number after just so they don't pull up and try and shoot me. And maybe, I mean, Christ, might just have a might just have to put a new patio in, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I, I really can't see any kind of situation where calling the cops would be warranted, because you just don't know what the response is going to be. They're not trained professionals. The it's a roll of the dice. When you call the cops, you're like, I don't know, maybe they'll shoot my fucking sibling. Maybe they'll put my mother in cuffs, I mean, maybe they'll, maybe they'll arrest my kids, or shoot them, fuck knows, it's, it's fucking wild, we see, in this day and age, we see so many fucking videos of police brutality, it's just fucking daily, there's always something new, new to hear about, always some new infraction, we just, it seems, if you don't pay, if you don't care, it seems like it's every so often, because you just see the bigger ones, but, I mean, if you want the evidence, it's fucking out there, sadly. People are getting bolder about filming the police, and I just... Eesh. It's like playing Russian roulette if you call 911. What's the fucking point? What was the tipping point that made you move to the US? Oof. Um, it was kind of weird. It wasn't really anything in... British politics? Well, I guess it was. So, I guess Brexit was, like, a big thing at the time, and it was, I think it was the last election I voted in. Yeah. Last election I voted in. And I was kind of over it, because the response was so divisive, and I thought it would be so obvious that Britain needed to leave the European Union. And to hear so many of my peers um, being so hardcore for being under the control of an authoritarian government under a bigger authoritarian government. I was, I just felt like I was surrounded by fucking aliens. Um, and then at the same time, while that was happening, I'm pretty sure, I might have my timeline all fucked up, but I think the Daniel Shaver shooting, where, uh, for those not familiar with the name, You'll, you've probably seen the footage of a police officer shooting a man um, on his hands and knees, crawling down a, a hotel hallway, like, sobbing, drunk. Um, and this officer just fucking drills him with, a like, a, a burst, I think. And then kills the guy, because he, he was reaching for his shorts, because they were falling down as this guy was playing Simon Says with him. And so, yeah, I saw that video, and I just kind of... Whiskey and Rebellion had started me down this dark path of, hmm, maybe cops aren't so great. 
and then I was kind of like in the Minica stage of and and the proper like bow tie anarcho capitalist like oh well how would we how would we fund a private police force and thinking it had to be this one thing this one mick police you know rather than hey maybe the community decides how they do it and there's a whole wealth of different solutions it was like oh how would that look um which i fucking i really hate getting into the ancap theory shit these days uh it just there's so many different ways to solve a problem and to think that oh well how would they do it if there was no government like there's so many different ways so many different solutions and we should have the freedom to try them but anyway um so yeah i was like yeah i'm kind of down police and then i saw that video and i was like wow police are fucking criminals and it kind of made everything click i was like they're just murderers and they can do anything they, they want with impunity because they're the ones who you know, have authority, and dole out justice, and they're the ones who decide if you're guilty or not. It's all one, the same entity, just because it's from different departments or whatever, or different arms of the government, it's all one side. So, the government investigates itself and finds itself not guilty of being an authoritarian, murderer-empowering system. And so I was like, great, I'm surrounded by people who want authority, and they want like, the strictest kind of clamping down on people like me, people who want to be individuals and free and want to be something more than tax cattle. Um, and then, yeah, I see in the States that it's not all sunshine and rainbows and that, you know, you can be fucking murdered just for enjoying yourself in your hotel room. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly like, oh, I'm escaping to the US for freedom. Um... But I was like, Jesus Christ, the world's kind of fucked, but at least I've got a chance in the US. So, at least I can be equal to my oppressors instead of just, you know, under their boot. So, I was fully radicalized, and I was like, there is no way I can justify living under a government this tight. Um, there's no winning here. I, I think I just, I'd also just spoken to my local chapter of the Libertarian Party, my LPUK chapter so and they were literally all moving to Colorado and I was like oh cool I was planning on moving to the southwest so they wanted me to take over um that local it was the first meeting I went to first and last LP UK meeting I went to and everyone else was leaving everyone else in attendance was leaving and they wanted me to take over that their, their local chapter which was very fucking telling of the way the fight was going over there. So kind of those three major things, um, my mindset was really like, I gotta fucking unplug, and the best, I mean, I'm not really prepared to do the Somali pirate warlord thing yet, so I think I'm gonna go try my luck in the US and see if I can carve out an existence there. So, uh, yeah, that's when I decided to make the move, and what a fucking ride. It was, uh, it was also coming off, um, coming off the, I guess, I guess four things, obviously, coming out the arse end of my training and being pretty fucking salty about what I thought about government from that, too. It was a weird time. I was getting, like, a bunch of red flags all at once, kind of like, alright, time to fucking move on and really figure out life. So I fucking did, I think. I gave it a good shot. And now I'm here, trying to... Trying to make some kind of impact where I can.
so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a good one to end on. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. It's been kind of a grab bag of an episode, but that's kind of the theme of the show. Kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Something different from most of what we talk about. A little bit of foreign affairs that maybe we'll learn something from. Because God knows the rest of the world must be useful for something, right? <laughs> I, I kid the foreign listeners, which make up like 20% of the podcast. We have some really out there listeners. Uh, at least on the Emilesha podcast. I'm hoping my demographical kind of roughly match, but all over the fucking place. Fellow Euro trash, we got some South Koreans, I don't know, maybe some North Koreans. Anyway, I gotta, I gotta fucking cut this thing off before I start rambling. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.